0: This is What Next, the future fiction podcast exploring tomorrow through the stories of today. Utopia, dystopia, time travel, the apocalypse, from aliens to zombies and everything in between. Every episode is a new future.
1: Would you rather love too much or not love enough? So I'm talking... You can either fall completely in love with every single person that you meet, or you will never know love at all. It's impossible for you to be in love.
0: Ooh, that's a good one. Because this was a genuine fear of mine, though, that I would never love someone. Oh, wow. Until when? Right. <laughs> oh well, wouldn't you like to know?
1: Yeah, sorry. That's a really, <laughs> a really rude question to ask when anyone else might listen uh, to yeah,
0: it. Yeah, well, I just don't think anybody else cares. <laughs> I think I would rather love everyone that I met. because, yeah. yeah, I think because, I mean, love, although like, heartbreak is awful, Is that kind of like old question, isn't it? Like, are you better to have lived and lost than never to have loved or lost than yeah. never to have loved at all? And I think I'd rather love and loss. Yeah, but because... like
1: on that scale, like you meet yeah. someone waiting for the bus, they get on the bus, you're waiting for the next one. That's heartbreak.
0: That, ooh, that and is You fell true. in love
1: with them and they've gone already. And
0: they've gone already. That is true. That is true. It's a bit like when you have curly hair or straight hair. <laughs> if you have curly hair, you want straight hair. If you have straight hair, you want curly hair. But like if you're in love with everyone, you just want to not live again. If you never loved, you'd want to love everyone. You've yeah. basically
1: just described the game, Would yeah. You Rather. Yeah, I have. I have <laughs> I'm not letting you get away with that level of non-commitment <laughs> to answering the question.
0: Okay, okay, I tried, I tried. Yeah, no, I think I'd still choose to love and love everyone. Because you're in a bit of a cycle then. And at least you still get that nice feeling. Whereas if you never loved anyone at all, all you'd be doing is literally looking on the outside. Yeah. Because love is like a part of everything. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's, that's my final answer. All right.
1: Good work. Yeah. It took some effort.
0: It to did. Commit it, to did it, it did. I appreciate it. it. <laughs> I like that question to see how that connects to the story because I don't know anything about. Yeah. So what we're talking about,
1: talking about we're talking about Escape from Spiderhead by George Saunders, mm-hmm. which is from his short story collection Tenth of December. The reason I picked this to do a really early episode on is this was kind of an ignition point in my enjoyment of futuristic fictions. Mm. So, this is one of those ones that is not explicitly set in the future. There's no timestamp in the story at all, but there's a lot of technology in it that we don't currently have. And it seems like society is organized in a way that we don't presently. So, it feels futuristic by its nature. And it's one of those thoughts that you have, and you, it feels kind of profound, but then you think, actually, that's the most basic observation anyone's <laughs> ever made. So I read this on a module about love, right? And I read this short story, and I thought, I don't think I've ever read a short story that was set in the future. Like, that was, it was a completely new thing to me to have short fiction that was set in the future. Anything that was set in the future was a film or a novel, it was something big and lengthy mm. and so the challenge of building a future world in twenty, 40 page short story was something completely new to me. Now of course there are earlier, shorter fictions there are novellas, there are short <laughs> stories There's all sorts of stuff. Like I say, it's, it feels profound in the moment but like it's obviously objectively <laughs> untrue, you know?
0: No, I, I can see that because to be fair I had also never thought of that until a girl in my uni did poems set from people who had survived an apocalypse. And that's that was so interesting. I know. I was like, that's such a good idea. Why didn't I think of that? But yeah, no, and I thought, oh, man, yeah, I'd love to read that. And I'd never thought about that. I never thought of the idea of a different form of fiction other than novels and, and movies. So now I completely, completely understand that. Yeah. So whilst yeah.
1: it being obviously a, a completely unoriginal observation <laughs> and an inaccurate one, it was still kind of a light bulb for me, yeah. you know, And there's a lot else that goes on in this story that I really like. So before we get into what happens in it, the way that George Saunders writes is unbelievable. Have you ever read any of his stuff?
0: I haven't. I haven't. There's not
1: loads of it. There's this short story collection. He wrote a novel, which I think won the Booker Prize called Lincoln and the Bardo. And he's written some essays and stuff. It feels like he's just having so much fun when he writes. Mm. Like, it's pretty funny. I mean, it's not comedy funny but it's literary figure funny you know like <laughs> there's some good lines in it there's a, a line in this so it's experiments based and the the chief scientist kind of snaps and says like you're really doinking with our experimental <laughs> integrity like <laughs> it's a, it's just a fun little way of writing and it's like the yeah. whole story is full of those little word choices and bits of humor so it's joyful to read it mm. even though the subject matter as we'll get on to is is fairly dark
0: right i get you i get you yeah yeah
1: so his way of writing it is kind of revelatory and i love that i love when a story or a novel or a film is kind of playful and a little bit self-aware so it ticked a box for me <laughs> in that sense as well
0: yeah yeah you you kind of hit a nail on that i think i've there's things i've read that i thought this is a dark subject but on you know on the brute of it it's not a nice subject but you just get these little bits here and there that just a bit of spark of humor that really just yeah i know i know what you mean that is it's a unique way of writing and it's a pleasure to read really
1: yeah and especially this it really is a unique way of writing any george saunders text even story to story in this collection you have to get into it because the way that he writes is almost conversational so there's a bit in the beginning of this where it says something like now the interesting thing about this one is and there's a question mark at the end, and you realise that is kind of how you speak, Mm. but it doesn't belong on the page. And so it takes some relaxing into his style. It's weird. It's one of those things that makes you consider that line between, is he a genius, or was this just (laughs) 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 under-edited?
0: Yes, yes. (laughs) Because he's
1: brilliant, and it flows so well, and it's obviously deliberate and carefully composed, but you've got to think any editor would look at it and be like... Uh, you need to just tell the story properly, George.
0: <laughs> Do you know what an Oxford comma is? Come on, man. <laughs> right, precisely.
1: So that's the first thing to say about the story, is this interesting stylistic right. choice. Then we get into the subject matter. So it's broken down into, I think, 10 parts, but I'm not 100% sure. It's definitely broken down into parts.
0: Okay. Is it, is it written like that, like part one, part two, or is it just the... No, it's
1: broken up like chapters in a story. So it flows through, but there's mm-hmm. kind of text breaks. You can find this for free online, by the way. You don't need to buy the book. I think it was published in the New Yorker. So I think you can just search for it and and find it. It starts with a dialogue that sets you off on kind of the wrong foot to begin with. There's like a manufactured consent thing going on. So it starts by somebody asking someone else to acknowledge and the other person saying it doesn't make a difference if I acknowledge. The other person saying you have to acknowledge and then they acknowledge. Right. Okay. Okay. I think I'm with you. <laughs> what they're acknowledging is the administration of a chemical or a medicine via a Moby Pack on their back. And I this see. is where we get into the kind of a touch futuristic type thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're acknowledging the administration of this medicine. So right from the start, you've got the idea that they have to acknowledge it to be administered the medicine. Mm-hmm but they don't have the option not to acknowledge it, not to accept.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes sense.
1: And the first thing that they are injected with is a nature appreciation chemical, right? So they're in the garden. This guy, uh, Jeff, is the main protagonist. He acknowledges his pack injects him with this chemical which makes the garden come alive. It's vivid, it's beautiful. And to describe it further, they administer some verbal loose which <laughs> makes him yeah right this is the playfulness that i'm yeah, talking yeah, about it's I get just it, a I get it, fun... yeah. like there's no there's no reason not to play around with the name of the thing right because it doesn't matter
0: gotcha gotcha yeah. Like, yeah i guess it's a sort of future fiction things like fallout the yeah. games they play around a lot with that like everything's 50s based even though it's obviously very further high tech mm-hmm. There's so many stupid names for things. And I yeah, love that.
1: Right. Yeah. So injected with verbally, injected with this nature appreciation chemical, Jeff starts waxing lyrical about how beautiful the garden is. And the guy who's talking to Abnesti, who is the scientist, takes all these notes. And that's kind of the end of part one. And it introduces you to a lot of the core concepts, right? There's this forced consent. There's the injection of these chemicals. And you realize it's says kind of test environment, right? Mm-hmm. He's being measured on his responses to these things that are injected. So then we move into the next phase of the plot. And one of the things that we want to do in the future with this podcast is we want to read sections of the text, right? Mm-hmm. I'm really pleased we're doing this before <laughs> we start reading sections of the text. The reason is I think we'd have to put a big of warning on it.
0: Oh, uh, okay.
1: Because the next section of this story is a succession of sex scenes. Oh,
0: right.
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> so... Jeff goes into a room. Into that room comes uh, a lady called Heather, who he doesn't know anything about. Doesn't even know a name at this point. They both acknowledge something to be administered through their drip, and they fall completely and entirely in love with each other and start going absolutely wild, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Rabbits. Like rabbits?
1: Like rabbits. Wow. Wow. I think they do it three times. I think it's specifically mentioned they do it three times. Because Jeff thinks that maybe um Amnestius snuck some Vivistiff into his drip along with whatever the love chemical is. <laughs> I love how much of a kick you're getting out of these names.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love
1: yeah. it. So yeah, they're going, they're going absolutely wild. And then they acknowledge a decrease in whatever this love drug that they've been administered is. And they fall completely out of love with each other not heartbreak out of love with each other just completely ambivalent out of love with each other like what was that five minutes ago right okay so this is why i asked that would you rather at the beginning Mm. like it opens up this idea of administering a medicine or a drug or whatever it is that can make you so completely in love with the person that's in front of you also that can take it away and this is one of the things that abnesty then talks about and Wax is lyrical about a little bit where he's talking about imagine the power of this, right? We could stop wars. We could make people fall in love, fall out of love. Like the the hate that comes with love could be minimized because we, do, we take away that love in the first place. It's a complicated idea. Yeah. If you're in charge of love, you can change the world, right?
0: Yeah, that's such an interesting idea. I've not thought of, like when you said we can... You know the idea where well, we can stop wars and what have you. Like, I'd never thought of it like that. I'd never thought of that kind of the the romantic side of that being pulled away, and it literally just being like everyone loves everyone, everyone's just apathetic to everyone. everyone. Yeah, I'd be interested to see how it goes. Like, obviously, there's the utopian idea. There's the great this could solve all of the world's problems, and I'm very interested to see how it goes wrong. Presumably, yeah. it does go wrong. Well partly it's already
1: going wrong because this is why that first scene is so interesting despite it just being a vivid description of a garden because remember both of these people have forcibly acknowledged the uh, administration yes, of yep. this love chemical so whilst it is kind of a an interesting and a fun scene mm. to read and you enjoy the idea of this love drug mm. also there's a kind of forced consent yeah. issue going on
0: yeah i think we've as a society, have talked about consent long enough that we know it's important. Yes. <laughs> no matter what problem you're going to solve.
1: Right. And around this point in the story, Jeff hints at why it's forced consent, because he mentions that he's done the crime and now he's doing the time.
0: Ah, OK. Right. I was going to ask, actually, what whether it gets revealed what specific setting he is in, mm-hmm. because whether he's volunteered for some kind of science experiment or... But yeah, OK, that makes sense. Sure.
1: The next thing that happens is that Jeff goes into a new room with a completely different woman and the same thing happens, the same process. So exactly the same thing happens. So he ends up going through the exact same process, three rounds with this other girl, Rachel. So he's done three rounds with Heather, he's done oh, three oh rounds with Rachel.
0: I have the women get like is it just the man who's been introduced to all these different women? The women just have to stand out? The women also get the chance to go with lots of different men. I mean, consent is not happening anywhere, but still, let's be equal. Gets the chance to. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. I mean, that's interesting. Yeah, that is true. That is very true. <laughs> so, Carry on.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you asked, actually. I think it's a, it's exactly the right question, because this is how the story is unfolding. So following this, Jeff goes into the spider head. Now, this is what mm. the story is named for. It seems that the structure of this space that he's in is there is a central kind of control room, and there are workrooms around the outside. That's why they call it a spiderhead. So whilst he's been in the workroom so far, he's now in the spiderhead, looking into one of the workrooms through some one-way glass. Do you say one-way glass or two-way glass? If it's. Oh,
0: I don't. know. It looks know. like a mirror. I feel from like it's a one-way room. mirror. One-way mirror. Yeah, I think that's. what... Yeah, yeah well,
1: he's looking through that, anyway. Okay. <laughs> he can see it.
0: Anyway, we all know what it
1: is. <laughs> <laughs> and he sees in this room. Rachel and Heather. And that's when we're introduced to the ultimate drug or chemical, an ultimate in the bad way. When you said, how's it going to go wrong? Here's your answer, which is Darken TM. Now,
0: <laughs> dark
1: <and Phlox laughs> takes you to the darkest, most horrible place emotionally and mentally that you could possibly go. They've all been administered a trial dose of it. It's kind of implied that this is to let them know what will happen if they don't comply properly with the experiments but that's not i don't think that's explicit but they've all had a trial dose of it when they enrolled in whatever program this is right so he sees rachel he sees heather and amnesty says to him that he must administer darken flocks to one of them because this is how they're going to measure whether that love has truly gone back to baseline Ooh. right or whether there is still some residual love there or something that would make you feel compassionate or compelled to one or other of the women To a cut pretty interesting and exciting <laughs> scene disappointingly short oh. jeff just can't do it but not out of mm. a complete love for both of them out of a genuine apathy like I... not caring which one gets the dark box he feels nothing for either of
0: them yeah i was gonna say that like if this is an experiment to see if anything lasts what if it doesn't last. Like, yeah. It's not a very controlled environment.
1: Right, right. Well that's precisely it. So he can't administer to, to either of them because he doesn't care which one gets it. So he can't say, Oh well yeah, Dark and Fox, Rachel or Darken Fox, um, Heather because he doesn't want to Dark and Fox anyone because he's a human and you don't want anyone to have that mm. horrible, horrible <laughs> experience, you know? That's good enough for Abnesti. he says happy days. We're happy that there's no residual love, you genuinely don't care. Then Jeff finds himself going into a workroom and a second guy comes in and they sit there quietly and nothing happens. And then Amnesty says, that's great, thanks guys, you can go. And it's at this point that Jeff realizes that the experiment goes beyond him, right? Oh,
0: okay. I get it. I get it. Two women
1: and three men involved in this experiment and what he's just partaken in is the reverse or the inverse of the procedure that he was doing when he was choosing who's Dark and Flock. Somebody was in there choosing whether he or this other guy gets a dose of this horrible mm-hmm. drug. And clearly they couldn't choose because they just sat there and then nothing happened. Mm. This is kind of the the apex of the story in terms of plots, right? This is where we realize the most of what's going on, right? There's an experiment where, to your point... <laughs> <laughs> The men and the women have all had a lot of sex that day. The women, it even says, have done it nine times each because three times with three (laughs) guys. Yeah. And they're trying to measure the success of this love drug. Now, I should say at this point, this is roughly the halfway point in the story. So, everything that we talk about after this takes place in the second half. If you haven't read it and you want to go away and you want to read it, like now is the time to do that because there will still be an element of what happens to an extent. It's not, you know, really about what happens, but who loves spoilers the first time that they read something, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Someone spoiled Shutter Island for me. Oh, man. I know. What an absolute killer as well. To spoil. <laughs> so I'm... <laughs> the being... only good thing about that film. It, right. Yeah. Right. And I literally said the words to her, I've never seen it before. She's like, oh, this happens at the end. Oh, man. I was like, why would you do that? So yeah, very vehemently against spoilers, whether it's good or bad. You don't want the spoiler. Find out for yourself.
1: Yeah. I will now proceed to spoil the second half of the story. (laughs) (laughs) So, so in the second half of the story, things get much darker. As you quite rightly pointed out, this experiment doesn't have as much integrity as it necessarily should have, right? Mm -hmm. Who do you want to injure if you say neither, you must be out of love? Doesn't really work. Mm -hmm. So, Abnesty gets orders from up on high that the real way to test the effectiveness of the love and anti-love side of this new drug is to darken flocks somebody in front of Jeff and see how he reacts.
0: Ooh, Because okay. if he reacts
1: with emotion, either way, then there is either some residual love or whatever the opposite of love is. Mm-hmm. Whereas... If he just has a purely human reaction of it's a shame to see someone suffer rather than it's a shame to see Rachel or Heather suffer, then we can assess that this was an effective experiment. Mm -hmm. So they put Jeff on some verbaloose, they inject the darkened flocks into Heather, I think, or maybe Rachel. I can't remember who goes first. Mm -hmm. They suffer. Jeff is upset to see a human suffer, but it's not about the individual, it's about them as a human. Ah. So, great. Now, the thing is, not only do they suffer, they suffer so deeply and so darkly and so horrifically that they manage to uh, kill themselves. Oh, ah. Yeah. Ah. Oh, I mean, I told you it was going to get dark.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, now I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Bam.
1: Yeah, uh uh-huh. This is obviously a bad turn of
0: events. (laughs) The experiment has gone wrong, sir.
1: Especially since the next phase of the experiment needs to be that they get the next woman in and Darken flocks them (laughs) in front of Jeff. I'm going to just cut to the end of what's happening here. Uh Obviously, nobody wants this next bit to happen um, when they darken blocks another person. Abnesty tries to convince Jeff that it's the right thing to do by informing him of these women's criminal history and their criminal past and the thing that's landed them here, Mm. which is interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I mean, doesn't that kind of defeat the point?
1: Right, so it should be entirely confidential, but he wants this experiment to go ahead, and so he reveals this information to Jeff. In this, we find out what Jeff's done to get him landed in this place, and we find out that his mum paid quite a lot of money to get him taken out of a conventional prison and put into this experiment.
0: Uh, So I guess
1: it's kind of an alternate justice system. Yeah. Jeff stops acknowledging the administration of chemicals at this point. And we find out that there is a procedure whereby Amnesty can speak to the director of prosecutions or whoever it is who he needs to speak to to administer the chemical without Jeff saying acknowledge. But it's much easier if he just says acknowledge. So he goes off to get this permission. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Jeff starts thinking, how can I stop this next person from being dark and fluxed? And he comes to a very disappointing conclusion which is to darken flocks himself <laughs> with the remote that has left in the room.
0: Right, right. And
1: it finishes with Jeff's suicide, oh my right? Oh, God. Yeah.
0: That did escalate quickly. Yeah.
1: Jesus. So he flocks himself. He feels so bleak, and he takes himself out on the corner of a desk. Oh, wow. And says, like, I'm dead now. Here's what being dead is like.
0: Which again is that kind that, of fun
1: yeah. self-aware type storytelling. Uh-huh. So you get kind of a narrative arc, you get a redemption arc a little bit for Jeff in the sense that you find out what he did in the past, you find out where he is now, you find out that he's dead, that he's narrating the <laughs> yep. story as a dead person. Yeah. But also that he saved someone else from being dark and Flock. So, you know, at least there's that, right? Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's plot outline of the the whole story. I've taken you through the whole thing.
0: Mm.
1: It's so easy to get lost in the plot of something like that and you do when you read something through for the first time but i've read this story a few times now and we touched upon this issue of like forced consent making Mm -hmm. things that seemed a little bit like quirky or silly much more problematic there's also this idea of like justice being administered as an experiment
0: yeah you're right there and i think that is a trap that you can fall into when you do watch listen read about future fiction is get kind of lost in the the amazingness of all this technology, that technology and kind of miss the problematic stuff. And you don't really see it until the end, you know, but I mean, yeah, like you said, that kind of consent side of it, that I think that is a big part of a lot of future fiction and the world, even the world that we live in now, the idea of this consent and how much you're actually, I mean, everyone knows about cookies now and we've only literally just, Being like, hang on, you kind of need to ask people permission before you sell their data. That's that's kind of important. So I think it's such a relevant question. I don't know when that was written. But like you said, it is this kind of like almost starts off as a very whimsical story, which I think a lot of technology kind of does. You know, a lot of things like Alexa is like, oh, cool, I can ask it to do stuff. However, further down the line, you realize it's probably actually recorded a lot of information about you. So... Yeah, I really like it. I like the sound of it. I definitely think I want to read it. Right. And it's not just that it's collecting
1: data on normal people, which is its own kind of insidious, but it's specifically subjecting people who have been convicted of crimes to these tests. I mean, I guess there's a parallel with testing cosmetics on animals, right? Mm. Which is something that we've accepted as normal, but now a lot of people are kind of pulling away from, right? And feeling like, yeah, maybe that wasn't necessary or sensible. And so to escalate it from testing on animals to testing on humans, it has to be worth it. And drug that helps you control love definitely feels like it's worth it, right? Like if you want to be objective about it. Mm. But then is anything worth it? And I think that's the question of the story, really. Alongside that, you've got a really old school message. You've got the Frankenstein message of when has science gone too far, right? mm like, should we even be trying to turn love on or off? Like, should we be in control of that? Yeah. Is a huge question that this story raises.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Like you said, that control, that ability to be able to control that kind of power, as it were, should anyone really have that power? Like, that's, that's serious. Like, they said this could stop wars. But then who who actually gets control of that back button? Who's pressing the button? Does everyone get it? If everyone gets it, then are they all just going to mill around? Like, is there going to be some president of the whole world who gets to take charge? Yeah, I think you're right there. Like, it, again, it, the idea is something wonderful and lovely, the idea that we can live in peace. But when you come into the, the practicality of it, it's not, well, it kind of feels like, no, that can't be practical, that can't be that can't be something that we as human beings who are ultimately flawed, we just can't have that kind of power.
1: Right. And there's that question on a a global level, on on a bigger picture level of what's going to happen when this drug gets out into society. But there's also that question on a more local level, which is this particular scientist making people fall in love and out of love. How acceptable is that? And how Mm. problematic is that? Like you say, who should be in charge of it? And I, I think that's one of the things that I find really compelling about this story is every time I read it, I read his character kind of differently. Mm. So sometimes it reads like he's kind of trying to make the best of a bad situation, like, oh, I've got to do these tests, but here's what it is. Mm. Sometimes he seems very manipulative and really, really pushing the agenda and and really taking control of the situation. I don't know, it's it's written so brilliantly openly that you can see him as an oppressor or as part of the machine depending on the kind of mood you're in when you read it
0: <laughs> that's great yeah that's great.
1: it's really powerful
0: I do really enjoy a narrator or character that you can kind of see is very human you kind of like oh, I'm rooting for him but should I be rooting for him now I kind of feel like I don't want to root for him now I'm not really sure and I think that does come into the like you said the whole idea of it being a justice system and and again you know who and I guess that like, you know when you come to the death penalty who should decide what punishment or like what level of punishment in that sense something that is that afflicting who really should have the power to be able to do that because you do read something like that and I think even if you are the most like down with whoever i think you still read that and think i don't know if i'm comfortable with that so yeah. it, you know it does really bring up that question of do i think this guy does deserve that you know is it can i sacrifice him for the great good i yeah. don't know
1: and i think i think this is what short stories in particular as a form of fiction are so good at mm. which is packing so many questions and ideas and big open ambiguous topics into a really really small space and this is a great example of it and like i say for me it was really exciting to see that done through the lens of a future or through interesting technologies that i hadn't seen before because Mm. i've seen a lot of emotions i've seen love stories packed into short stories but i had never at this point in my reading career (laughs) seen that kind of future concern Mm. packed into a short story
0: yeah no i agree i i would definitely read it from the wonderful description you gave
1: i really think you should it's free online you can find it just search it up what's the Um, name again it's called escape from spiderhead it's by george saunders fabulous yeah absolutely so strong recommendation for that please do check it out and next time you will have watched all of her yeah by spike jones
0: (laughs) yeah i'll have watched all of it i'm halfway through at the moment conveniently paused i mean you've described something in which there is sex in it you've also recommended me something which is got a little bit not well i'd say you quite explicit sex bits in it i mean what line are you going on here carl
1: i don't love this accusation <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway it's i am enjoying it i'm excited to talk about it next week i've got a lot of points carl has seen it so it's gonna be fun trying to uh, well explaining it at least he'll keep me on track so <laughs> looking forward to it
1: all right till next time
0: Thanks for listening to What Next, the Future Fiction Podcast. Be a part of our collective future by visiting futurepod.co.uk. You'll find reading lists and release dates for all of our upcoming episodes, as well as ways to get involved. Whatever the future
1: holds, let's go there together.